Good. Welcome to the Bridge Church. If you're joining us online, uh, online or in the room, we are so glad that you are here. Good Friday. Good Friday. How is everybody doing? Good. Yeah, alive and well. Very good. So uh, just like Jacob said, sometimes uh, as a pastor, when you preach on Good Friday, you already know the good part that's coming, right? So it's, it's hard to almost go, well, hold on a second. Let's, let's bring the reins back a little bit. Uh, but uh, there, there's something special about Good Friday. There's something special about coming together and having this intimate moment of remembrance of what Christ has done for us. And I got to be honest with you, I was in my study and uh, I was reading through different commentaries and different pieces. And I came across this verse that I'm going to end with. And uh, it was one of those moments where you read the verse and the Holy Spirit just comes on you. And I, I, I'm not like a guy who's going to like, hey, let's cry on our shoulders together, kind of emotional, you know. Uh, but I just was overwhelmed with emotion of going, God. You are so good. God, thank you. So I can't believe that I get to do this. I get to open up your word. I get to proclaim your name. And today we are all in this thing together. We get to worship. We get to proclaim his name. We get to open up his word right now. And we get to preach the good news. And so I need your help preaching this good news. Can you guys help me out? Yeah, we go. Very good. Very good. Well, I just want to pray for us today. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 53. Dave shared uh, so eloquently earlier in Isaiah 53. We're going to be there a couple of supporting verses as well. Uh, but I just want to pray for us. Ask God to speak to our hearts during this time. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, thank you for each and every soul that's in this room. and can hear my voice. God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts during this time. God, we know that uh, about 2,000 years ago, this was an incredibly difficult day. Uh, God, that you uh, went to the cross. God, I just pray that we take this time to study your word and to really open our hearts to what does that mean for us here in 2022? How does this radically change our lives, God? I pray that you would speak truth, speak wisdom. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. When you think about the term Good Friday, maybe you've asked yourself this question. Uh, what, Good Friday. It's almost like it's like the, they're two competing things because when you think Good Friday, you're like, well, Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday. Jesus died. On the cross. Why uh, do we call it Good Friday? And I really want to unpack that today. So when you leave this place, you're actually celebrating going, oh, it's Good Friday, right? Like I understand Good Friday. Friday and what that means and the competing tension or the competing force that we see. To, but to really help us understand what is Good Friday and what does it really mean for us and what does it look like, uh, we may not have realized, but Good Friday started all the way back in Genesis. You see, God created uh, man and woman, right? And then we get to Genesis chapter 3 where God gives man and woman a choice. And just like you and I, when we're given a choice, uh, they chose, they, they were enticed uh, to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God looked at the garden and he said, you know what, you, you can have all of this, but just stay away from this one tree. Just stay away from this one thing, right? Like I've created you for all of this, but I, I just want you to stay away from this one tree. 
tree, but the enemy comes as a serpent, right? And we read this in Genesis chapter 3. This is called the fall uh, because this is where sin entered the world. And sin is when you and I miss the mark. It's when you and I look at God's way and go, you know what? I think I may know a little better. I, I, God, you know what? I know your way, uh, but I'm, I'm going to try this way, right? I may try the world's way. I try, may try, hey, this is what I think is best, right? And when we go away from God's calling, now we begin to see this separation. And Adam and Eve went to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they ate of the fruit, right? Like she ate it first. She passed it down to Adam. There's too many preacher jokes in there, but I'm just going to pass it on, right? Like, like all of these things, like he ate it, passed it on, and then they were kicked out of the garden. And in that moment, we see sin enter the world. We see brokenness enter the world because now this game plan, this track went out of disobedience, of God's going, this is how I created you. This is how I created the world. And you're choosing to go the other way. And it's not every day that they chose, but we see this track record of the human race, the humankind begin to play out. We see this, right? And we can read all the way through the Old Testament. And if we read it and make an honest assessment of the Old Testament, we see, okay, at one moment, they're praising God. They're like, this is like, I'm following God. I'm all in. And then the next moment, they're like, they're dancing around golden calves and worshiping other gods and going completely the other way, right? Or they're grumbling going, what in the world is happening? God has forsaken us. He's, he's, he's led us down the wrong path. I'm wandering in the wilderness for years on end. And we see this cycle begin to play out. And then later we see that uh, this prophecy, this prophet comes up who begins to tell of a better future. And you see, because of the sin that entered the world, there used to be this system that was set up where the priest would come and there had to be a sacrifice for the sin that was made on men and women's behalf. And we read in the Bible, for the wages of sin is death. And so there were all of these Old Testament laws that they would have to bring these special doves or special goats and these lambs and all of these things. They would have to bring it before the priest and they would have to sacrifice this animal as atonement for their sins and then they would go out in the world and guess what shocker they strayed again right sin came into the world again they made mistakes again so guess what they had to go find their lamb find whatever their their sacrifice and they'd come back to the priest and they had to do it all over again and then they'd go back into the world and then guess what it would happen again, right? Like just it sounds familiar I don't know for you and I and they would have to do this over and over again and then this prophet came and he says, actually, there's going to be one that comes that's going to change this system. There's going to be one that comes that changes everything, that changes human history. And in fact, this was about 700 years before Jesus actually comes. The prophet Isaiah begins to proclaim about this one, this faithful one who is going to come and everything is going to change. Can you imagine 700 years before that, I just think about Isaiah, who's prophesying this, and then his life is over, and the next generation is over, and the next generation is over, and he looks a little crazy until 700 years later, right? And then all of a sudden, we see this begin to play out. But we're going to read this. This is part of his prophecy here in Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to read a few verses, talk about it, and then read a few verses again. Is that okay? Isaiah 53, uh, verse 1, it says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty 
or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that would that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from the people who hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. This is him. He's prophesying about Jesus, and and maybe these aren't terms that we would have described Jesus with before, uh, but Isaiah is setting this up. I I love this here in verse 2. It says that he had no beauty or or majesty to attract us to him. In fact, Jesus blended in with the times and the people so much so that the Roman officers had to hire Judas to pick him out, right? Like they they were like, oh, well, uh, you're going to have to show us Jesus, right? Because he wasn't this uh, huge Saul looking character of, you know, six foot six and muscle bound coming out. I am the king of kings, right? Like he blended in. God wanted his beauty and his majesty for us to focus in on what he brought spiritually, right? And so we see this begin to play out. And then it says, he, he begins to describe some, if we're honest with each other, some uncomfortable things, right? Like I, I wouldn't want somebody to describe my life this way, but this is what he describes. He says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering a, and familiar with pain. I think about those verses and I think about Jesus because sometimes we can think about God and we can think about Jesus and we go, oh, he's he's too far off. He sits up there on his throne and he doesn't know what I am going through. He doesn't understand my pain. He he doesn't know my thoughts. He doesn't understand how hard this is. But you and I have a high priest. You and I have a savior. You and I have a God who understands because he walked this earth. And as this describes and we saw him walk this planet he was despised by mankind he was rejected there was a man Judas who followed him for three years Jesus washed his feet he poured his life into him he laid himself bare and this man betrayed him to die on a cross I mean he was betrayed right like he knows what it feels like to have a best friend stab you in the back he knows what it, what it feels like to walk through pain, to walk through suffering. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it says he was sweating. He, he's sweating blood because the tension and the anxiety was weighing on his human nature so much. And he prays in the garden, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass, right? But then he says something beautiful. He says, not my will be done. But you're my human nature. I'm 100% man, yet 100% God. And I'm going to keep walking towards this, even though it's this insane amount of pain that not my soul is being crushed. I can't even take it, right? And we see this in Hebrews chapter 4. As the writer puts here in verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin we don't have a God who is so separated from you and I to where he goes oh well you you got your own thing and uh, and all this God you don't understand what's going on in my life God wants you to know he is there in the midst of the fire he understands he he was there he walked this earth he loves you and I so much he wanted to relate to you so much that he left a perfect place called heaven right 
and walked this earth and took on the nature. Just think about Jesus as a baby. It's not Christmas, but we're talking about baby Jesus, right? He came on this nature as a baby, walked as a young child. He had to develop his frontal lobe, had to develop like all of these things, right? And he had to walk through all of that, and he took on the role of a servant. And Isaiah pins him as a man of suffering, familiar with pain. And so if you're thinking here tonight or listening online or in the room and you're you're in that season right now, you have a high priest who is walking right next to you. You have a high priest who empathizes with that. His he has walked in those shoes. He understands when you go, "Oh, but when they said that to me, God, it just ripped my soul apart of Jesus going, I know. I know. I understand, and I'm right here next to you. We're going to walk this thing together because you're not so far removed that you don't understand, God. You can empathize. You can walk with me here in this moment. How beautiful is it that we have a Savior that walks with us in that pain, who doesn't shy away and go, oh, well, you, you deserve that pain. You, 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 built, you made this nest. Now you gotta live. That's not even a saying. But you, you got to live in it now, right? Like, God, you, you made this bed. Now you got to live in it, right? Like all of these things. But no, he says, you know what? I'm going to get in with you. I'm going to walk with you in this. And I, and I don't want to kind of fast play over that because that is a huge piece of what Jesus did for you and I. That is a huge piece for you and I to go out into a hurting world and go, hey, I got a Jesus. I got God who, who understands, who knows that the immense pain that you're feeling right now, that hurt, that betrayal, all of those things that, that you're feeling, Jesus he can empathize with those pains as well. You need to come to him. Share those with him. Uh, cast your cares onto him for he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7, right? We have a God who understands those moments in the darkest days of our minds, in the darkest days of our hearts. Jesus is going, I'm walking with you. I'm here. I, I'm, I'm with you. I understand. I'm empathizing. Let's walk this thing together. Side by side, I'm going to carry you through. And then he continues on here, Isaiah 53. And then he goes into uh, verses 4 and 5. It says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Those are some strong words. We considered him punished by God, stricken, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Punished that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed Jesus had wounds and we see this that because when Jesus walked to the cross he experienced physical wounds excruciating pain that is really hard and uncomfortable for you and I to think about right for him carrying the cross the Bible said that he was flogged so he was whipped he was beaten and in some parts some scholars even say he was whipped beyond almost recognition and barely can control himself so much so he's trying to carry the cross somebody else helps him carry the cross and his his uh, earthly body is exhausted and then he goes to the cross with nails driven in his hands and feet and as he hangs on the cross he's carrying that physical pain but I want to share with you tonight not only the physical pain because the wages of sin is death but yet there was this spiritual 
death, this spiritual weight that Jesus carried on the cross. That not only did he bear that physical sacrifice, right, of going to the cross, but in that moment when he was on the cross, he carried the weight of your and my spiritual sin. You talk about when you and I, you you feel the guilt when we sin. We feel the guilt when we shame. We feel the hatred in the moments that are in this world. We feel the darkness that is in those worlds. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he took all of that spiritual weight for all of humanity past present and future and it landed on the shoulders of jesus and he carried all of that think about the spiritual weight the depression the anxiety the worry the fear all of that that just if it's just me that's terrible enough but all of humanity rested on the spiritual soul of jesus and Jerry's carrying all of that in the moment. He said, God, why, why have you? He cries out, God, why have you forsaken me here in this moment? Because he carries all of your sin, all of my sin, and he's carrying it on, right? And he takes it. And then and in those last moments, he says, God, it is finished. And then Jesus, because he is God, ooh, this part right here, because he is God, he lays his head and he says, God, I commit my spirit unto you because he is God only he in that moment right can go God I'm giving it all to you I'm releasing my spirit I'm dying here in this moment God I am still on the throne I am still in control but I choose to head to the cross I choose to bear the sin of the world I choose to take on this pain I choose to be a man of suffering a man of sorrow a man familiar with pain right I choose this because I love the souls that are on this earth I love my creation anybody comes to me and says I don't know if God loves me we need to point them to the cross right they say he loved you so much he took your place he took all of that weight not only because a lot of times we look at the cross and we look at the the physical piece right but we need to be reminded of the spiritual of the the weight of sin that he carried and the weight of sin that he paid for for you and for me and we get the rest on that fact and it says that by his wounds we are healed and we see this moment where we are healed from the damage of sin in the eyes of God where God now when you and I place our faith in Jesus because of his weight because of what he did for you and I on the cross now Jesus looks at Bunny he looks at Alan he looks at all of us right and he looks and he doesn't see our sin he doesn't see all of that stuff that the sin causes and the, the damage and the hurt and everything that is going on. But he looks through the blood of Christ and goes, holy. Oh, he is righteous. He is my chosen one. He is, oh, this I see through the lens of Jesus. And how good is it for you and I to know that Jesus Christ himself loved you, loved me so much that he says, I'm, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this penalty. I'm going to take this price. For you, I'm going to take your sin so that you don't have to experience God's wrath. I'm going to take it for you. I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill the wrath of God on your behalf. And now in the eyes of God, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our brokenness. But he says, that's my child. 
That's my daughter. That's my son. And we see this so evident as Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's, hung in, he's hanging on the cross between two criminals, right? And we see that one begins to go, hey, you're the son of God. You're supposed to be the son of God. Save us. What's wrong with you? Come on, let's do this. But then we see another one, right? He looks to Jesus and he says, oh, Jesus, this man, why are you talking to him that way? We are the ones who have done things wrong, but he has done nothing wrong. They even put Jesus on trial, right? And the, the leaders that during the time they go, no, I, I, can't, I can't charge him with anything. He's done nothing wrong, but you keep crying out for him to be crucified. And Jesus sitting on the cross, being love. God is love, right? In his essence, it's who he is. He can't help it. He's on the cross and the man looks at him and goes, we are the ones who made mistake. But Jesus, I know that you are God. Can you remember me when you go into paradise? And Jesus looks at this man and he says, today you will be with me in paradise and in Jesus's last breath he is evangelistic in Jesus's last breath he said you're going with me to heaven and Jesus is that thief he was not baptized right he did not go to one church service he did not all of these things right but in the moment his profession of faith in Jesus was enough his profession of faith in Jesus uh, for you and I, he said, you know what? You will live with me in paradise. And I can just picture there's a famous sermon that's floating around Facebook and I love it. And it's when this man gets to heaven, right? And they're like, oh, how did you get here? Oh, who said you could be here? He's like, I don't know. One minute, I, the man in the middle, his name was Jesus. He said I could come, right? Like right here, this beautiful moment. You and I, when we get to heaven, you're like, I don't know. I don't deserve to be here. I, I've fall short all the time. I've sinned. I've said the wrong things. I've done the wrong things. I've lied. I've cheated. All of this stuff, right? But the man in the middle, this man named Jesus, I believed him. I believed who he was. I believed that he died on the cross for me. And I placed my faith in him. And he said I could come. And that is true for you. That is true for me. And Jesus here in this moment, he gives us this picture of, of the, the Jesus began to take our sin. Jesus took the weight of all of that. And we get to carry it. And what Jesus has for us. And so um, this, is the, this is the piece that really struck me. Because when Jesus started his ministry three years before the cross. He had a cousin. His name was John the Baptist. And Jesus actually labeled John the Baptist. Uh, he said one of the greatest, the greatest man like to ever live because he's paving the way for Jesus, right? And so Jesus is coming forward uh, to go public in his ministry. And the crowd is gathered because John the Baptist was this wild man. He liked to eat the heads off locusts and put a little honey on there for a little drizzle, you know, just delicious delicacy. And he's in the woods. He wore camel hair and he's just preaching in the woods, right? And people are coming to faith right in God and he's baptizing them in the river and the crowd is there I want you to picture us in the river and all of a sudden uh, John looks up from baptizing and preaching and he sees Jesus and as Jesus comes through the line he, he, he's like oh let's hold the phone let's stop everything behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was, that was John the Baptist's declaration. When I read those words, my prayer is that when you leave this place and we see Jesus hanging on the cross, we look up at the cross and we say, uh, the world, you need to stop. Behold, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's why it's Good Friday. Because he took your sin. He took my sin. Behold, the Lamb of God. Remember I said the animals that would come? And the lamb would come and they were slain for the sacrifices, slain for the sin. You and I needed a perfect lamb, a holy lamb to pay for the sins past, present and future for all mankind once and for all. We needed a perfect. We needed somebody who was human enough to die on the cross to be a physical sacrifice. But we needed somebody holy enough to be God. And then we need to convince them to die for you and I, right? But it didn't take any convincing. Jesus says, I love you so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that no one would perish. But whoever believeth in him will have everlasting life. This is Good Friday. All of that pain, familiar with pain as he headed to the cross And he cries out, God, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they are doing. He's praying that prayer for you and I. Forgive them, Father. Let their place in their faith in me, right? They, your sin, my sin, nail Jesus to the cross. We're not, we're not uh, removed from this, right? I am guilty of it. You're guilty of it. The Bible says that we all fall short of God's glory, right? We all fall short. But Jesus says, place your faith in me. The Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world. And this is why we declare this is Good Friday. Because he paid for our sin. He takes away our sin. We were um, having lunch today. And I kind of just asked our kids. And they were real spiritual. Just kind of sitting there playing on him. Sitting down. That's awesome. He's not listening. Anyway. um, We were sitting there just having lunch. And I was like, hey, it's Good Friday. You guys know what Good Friday is? One of them shined up and said, yeah, Jesus paid for our sins. And it kind of stopped me for a second. I was like, <gasps> I, was, I was talking about this, like, uh, you know, this, this atonement that God brought. Right? Like, trying to think of all these, these complicated ways to describe it. I'm like, oh, out of the mouth of babes, right? Jesus paid for our sin. This is why it is good Friday. This is why it is good for you. This is why it's good for me. This is you and I. We get to walk into the world and go, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Girls, uh, boys, you get to go to school. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We get to go into our neighborhoods. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We get into our neighborhoods. We get to go to our workplaces. We get to go to our families. And we get to declare Jesus can take your sins away. Jesus can forgive you. But all it takes is a free gift of grace. We bring it to his feet. We bring it to the cross. And he took your place. He took my place, right? And we see this truth and he Proves that he can forgive sin, but Sunday's coming, right? But we can't skip over. There's no resurrection without death. There's no newness of life. The old me is dead, right? And I'm a new creation in Christ. And that's what salvation is. We bring God, look at this great exchange. We bring God our sin and he gives us life. 
Not because we are good, but because he is good. Not because we are faithful, because he is the faithful one. This is Good Friday. I hope we leave this place understanding who God is and what he has done for us. And we reflect on his beauty and his glory. We're going to take a moment here. We're going to take communion together. And Jesus, uh, he uh, commissioned this sacrament for you and I to remember what Christ has done for us. And as he was sitting, I kind of want to show you something that's pretty incredible about communion and how God is in the details. You see, when he was sitting in the upper room, he grabbed the cup. And in the Old Testament, the cup represented God's wrath. And he, then he took the wine and he poured the wine into the cup. And he says, when you eat of this bread, I want you to remember my body was broken for you. When you drink this wine, drink this juice, I want you to remember the blood that was shed for you, the, the blood that was paid on the cross for you. But you and I, if you, you, you may know how wine is made, but they take the grapes and what happens to the grapes? They got to be crushed, right? And they're squeezed. And back in the old times, they would, they would step on the grapes and the juice would begin to flow out. And it had to be uh, just aged and begin to turn into wine, right? And so because of Christ, his crushing, right? Then think about communion. This is God's wrath. But Jesus' blood filled God's wrath on our behalf. And every time we take communion, we remember the fact that Christ died for you and I. He fulfilled that for you and for me. And every time we, this is a, a holy moment before God that we can take and say, you know what? I'm doing this in remembrance of you. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you for paying for my sins. Jesus, I am free indeed because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And so uh, what I want to do is, uh, as we talked about communion here, and Jacob, they're going to get ready to sing a response song. I want to invite you, if you would like to take communion with us, you can come up, grab uh, a communion piece for you, then head back to your seats. And if you'll just hold that, because I'm going to come back up, and I want to take this together as the church. Okay, we're going to take communion together, just in unity of saying, God, we're in this thing together. We're remembering the sacrifice that you have for us together. So we want to invite you to do that. Let me pray. As soon as I get done praying, we invite you down to grab uh, a cup of communion. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, praise you. Thank you so much for what you have done for us, God. We take this moment right now just to remember and to reflect, God. I, we take this moment now of if there's anything in our lives that we feel like we need to confess to you, maybe there's some sin or some things that are weighing us down or tying us up. Jesus, we know that on the cross, you said it is finished. It is paid for, God. And if we confess those sins to you, you are faithful to forgive us. Maybe we take a moment and reflect and say, God, I give this to you. I can't hold on to it anymore. I know you're going to set me free in this. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.